Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. A podcast about a Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Forza Napoli. Today we'll cover the latest news in Serie A around Europe and with Napoli. Then in part two, we'll continue to talk about players that have been rumored to join the club. And today we'll round off the options for the attack. And both part one and part two will be brief, as in part three we have a lengthy interview with my good friend Jerry Mancini, who's an excellent writer for World Football Index. Jerry's been pumping out articles on the Bundesliga lately since they returned to play. And he also co-hosts the excellent Calcio Connection podcast with Alex Donnell, who we had on the show back on episode five. And we'll chat with Jerry a little bit about Lazio and about Napoli. Getting right into the news, on Monday the Technical and Scientific Committee approved the FIGC's 39-page protocol document that explains in detail how matches will resume, and much of this is similar to what we've seen with the Bundesliga. At least at the start, there will be no spectators. The maximum number of people admitted to the stadiums will be 300. The visiting team will be allowed no more than 60 people, and each stadium will be divided into three areas each of which can hold a maximum of 130 people, but the total cannot exceed 300. Zone 1 is the technical and sports area, so it includes the field of play, the sidelines, etc. Zone 2 is composed of the stands and the area reserved for the media, and Zone 3 is the exterior of the stadium. The protocol also addresses who is permitted to attend, from stewards to journalists to photographers, staff members, and the ball boys and how many of each of those can attend. Teams will arrive at the stadium at different times, and their temperatures will be taken upon arrival. The protocol also describes how change rooms will be used, and each club will use a separate entrance to get to the field, and there will be no handshakes, no mascots, team photos, pregame ceremonies, and accompaniment by children. Substitutes will have to social distance, whether it's in the stands or by alternating seats on the bench and players will have personalized water bottles. Media will have to social distance as well for halftime and post-match interviews, and the post-match conferences will be done by video conference with the questions asked on WhatsApp. Players will not be able to approach referees to protest decisions. They'll have to keep a distance of at least one and a half meters. And the most important rule is what happens if a player or staff member tests positive. And this rule remains the same as we had for training, which is that both clubs involved would have to quarantine for 14 days. However, Gravina is hopeful that if the number of positive cases continues to decline, 
then this requirement may be made less stringent. The official schedule was released for the restart. It will start on June 20th with Torino Parma at 7.30 p.m. local time, which is 1.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and Verona Cagliari will be at 9.45 local time, which is 3.45 Eastern Time. Atalanta Sassuolo, which we thought was going to be the first match, will actually be played on Day 2, which is the Sunday, followed by Sampdoria the same day, and those games will be at the same times as Day 1. Up until match day 35, we know the dates and times of every match and who will be showing the matches in Italy. We know also that the final three match days will be completed on July 26th, July 29th, and August 2nd, but we don't have the full details yet for those match days. And for the match days that we do have the details for, we know that between June 20th and July 23rd, there will only be six calendar days without any Serie and credit to Alistair McKenzie and the Lazio Lounge podcast, as that's where I got that nugget from on their latest episode. And in the Napoli news segment, I'll go over Napoli's entire schedule. Another issue that has not yet been resolved is what to do with players whose contracts expire on June 30th. Luca Marchetti, who's a journalist for Sky, is reporting that the issue could be resolved by way of agreements between players and their new clubs. So that means the decision would ultimately reside with the player. And by that, he means that the player on June 30th can simply walk away from their current club. I'd suggest that the decision ultimately resides with both the player and the new club. In other words, the old club is the only one who has no say. And the reason why I say that is because there's squad minimums and maximums. So let's say Ramani and Patania both decided they wanted to join Napoli on July 1st then Napoli would have to take two players out of their roster theoretically until the end of the season, which they may not want to do, though I suppose they could simply keep Rachmani and Patania out of the squad. Moving on to Europe, Tottenham has confirmed that they have had a positive test, though they didn't say whether it's a player or a staff member. That should not stop the Premier League from moving forward. The English Football League, which is the second division, has announced that the championship will restart on June 20th, with games being played behind closed doors, and 108 games remain to be played, plus the playoffs. In Spain, Cadena Copa has reported that between La Liga and Segunda, the original test that they did prior to starting training revealed that 16% of the players had previously tested for COVID-19, Only 5 players and 3 staff tested positive during those actual tests, but apparently 160 players have the antibodies, meaning they have had the virus and have recovered. Finally, in France, Jean-Michel Olas continues his fight to reverse the decision to end the Ligue 1 season. And now Amiens and Toulouse have also joined that fight, and they have collectively been granted an appeal, which will be heard on Thursday. Moving on to Napoli, I mentioned that I would go over the new schedule, so here it is. On Tuesday, June 23rd, Napoli play against Verona at Verona at 7.30 local time. On Sunday, June 28th, Napoli hosts Spal at the San Paolo at 7.30. Thursday, July 2nd, Atalanta-Napoli in Bergamo at 7.30. Sunday, July 5th, Napoli-Roma at the San Paolo at 9.45. Wednesday, July 8th, Genoa-Napoli in Genova at 7.30. Sunday, July 12th, Napoli-Milan at the San Paolo at 9.45. Wednesday, July 15th, Bologna-Napoli in Bologna at 7.30. Sunday, July 19th, Napoli-Udinese at the San Paolo at 7.30. Wednesday, July 22nd, Parma-Napoli in Parma at 7.30. July 26th, Napoli-Sassuolo at the San Paolo, and that time is to be determined. July 29th, Inter-Napoli in Milano, Again, that time is to be determined. And finally, August 2nd, Napoli-Lazio at the San Paolo. And that time is to be determined. So this actually looks like a decent schedule for Napoli. They only have a stretch of three games where they play on only three days rest consecutively. And at least it's at the beginning of the return of play. After that, they alternate having three days off and then having four days off. In other news, Il Matino is reporting that De Laurentiis wants to improve Napoli's youth sector, which is excellent news, and certainly something that the bigger clubs already do. While Gianluca Grava would remain in charge of the entire youth sector, 
the club is looking to hire a sporting director for the Primavera squad. And former player Aldino Valotti spoke to Radio Punto Nuova about the possibility of filling that role. And Valotti, who spent 12 years as sporting director with Albino Lefe, before holding short-term roles with Cosenza, Sutridol, and Palermo, said that Napoli had been in contact with him a few months ago, but because of coronavirus, things have gone silent. He also explained that Napoli was looking to put someone in charge of dealing solely with the technical and organizational aspects of the Primavera. He also pointed out that nowadays in football, the Primavera is thought of as a second team, and that is the approach Napoli want to take. Finally, we'll close the news by sending our sincere condolences to Rino Gattuso. On Tuesday, we learned that Gattuso's sister passed away from an illness she had been battling for months, and she was only 37 years old. The entire Napoli community showed their support, from De Laurentiis and his family to the Curva, to the thousands of Napoli, Milan, and Serie A fans in general on Twitter. So that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about some potential transfers. Okay, so last episode we talked about possible attacking players that have been rumored to join Napoli, including Jeremy Boga, Sardar Azmoun, Everton Suarez, and Milo Rashica. But Napoli are linked to so many attacking players that we had to split them into two episodes, so today is part two. A player that Napoli have shown an interest in is Lille striker Victor Osimen, and I've seen different prices quoted for the Nigerian international According to the Gazzetta, Lille are asking for at least 50 million euros. Alfredo Padula, who's a transfer expert for Sport Italia, has reported that the asking price is 55 to 60 million euros. And one way for Napoli to achieve that would be to send 40 million euros plus Adam Unas to Lille. And according to Padula, that gives Napoli the edge over Arsenal, who are also interested. Speaking of Arsenal, Lille president Gerard Lopez maintains that he's looking for a similar price to what Lille sold Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal for, which was £72 million or about €80 million. Napoli were deep into the negotiations with Lille to acquire Pepe last summer, and for that reason they have an excellent relationship with the French club. According to Padula, Lopez would like to repair the damage caused by the Pepe negotiation. According to Osimhen's agent, Ario Igbalola, Napoli are the only club that are 100% interested in Osimhen. Lopez insists there are multiple offers from three different countries, but I wouldn't expect an owner to confirm that only one club has expressed interest, as that would immediately cause the player's value to go down. Igbalola added that it's ultimately the player's choice where he wants to go, but for the sake of his development, Osimhen must go to a club where he will play week in, week out, and not sit on the bench. And if that's true, then Tottenham is probably not a suitable option, at least as long as Harry Kane is in the picture. Then again, you could probably say the same thing about Napoli. We signed Patania in January, and all indications are that the club intend to keep him. And we just renewed Merton, so even if we sell Milik, Osman is not likely to be the number one attacking option. He is only 21 years old though, so perhaps he sits on the bench for the first year or two and then becomes the number one option. In April, Igbalola's partner at player agency Matching Sport International claimed that Serie A is not suitable for Osman's development and also pointed out the racism issue in Italy. And finally, on Sunday, Eurosport's Manu Longjean tweeted that Osman has refused an offer from Napoli and Napoli have now shifted their attention to Emmanuel Dennis. Dennis plays for Club Bruges in the Belgian Jupiler League, who I think is a very intriguing option. He's 22 years old, and he's a rather versatile player that can play on the wing, as striker, or even sometimes in the midfield, and he comes from a team that employs the same 4-3-3 formation. According to Sport Media Set, the Nigerian-born Canadian would also cost around €20 million, 
But there are two potential issues here. The first is that Sport Media said is reporting that Arsenal and Newcastle are both interested. Now, Newcastle seems to be linked to about every player in the world right now with this potential Saudi takeover bid. But in general, players seem to choose the EPL over any other league when given the opportunity. And the other issue is the same as the one we discussed on Sardar Azmoon last episode, which is that Dennis is born in a non-EU nation and Napoli does not have any non-EU spots available. Another option we've seen in the papers is Ricardo Orsolini, who plays on the right wing for Bologna. According to Gazzetta dello Sport, Juventus will not exercise their right to repurchase the Italian. And that's a little surprising to me because this is a very talented player. And even if there's no space in Juventus's roster, you would think he could just be flipped for a profit. But as we saw last episode with Jeremy Boga, sometimes these buyback clauses are a bit more complicated than what is reported in the media. So for the time being, at least, he is a Bologna player. According to Corriere dello Sport, Bologna are asking for 70 million euros, which could be their way of saying that Orsolini is not for sale. And certainly comments made by the player's agent and the club's sporting director corroborate that story. Orsolini's agent Donato Di Campli said Orsolini will not leave Bologna. It's nice to know that he is sought after by big teams both in Italy and abroad, but he has a wonderful relationship with the coach and Bologna will allow him to complete his path of growth. Ricardo Bigon, Bologna's sporting director, said we have a precise plan for Orsolini. We don't want to sell him. We would rather keep him to strengthen ourselves. Unlike other clubs, we don't need to sell anyone. The last player I will touch on is Mainz striker Jean-Philippe Mateta, who Corriere della Sport is reporting that Napoli is interested in. He's also 22 years old, and again, I just can't see how he would fit into this squad. Napoli were keen on signing him in January, but of course that was before they renewed Mertens. And like Osimhen, he's a striker, so he'd be competing with Mertens and Petania, not to mention that there's an outside chance that Malik stays as well. So that'll do for part two. In part three, we'll talk about Napoli and Lazio with my good friend, Jerry Mancini. Okay, so I'm really excited to introduce our second guest on the podcast. If it wasn't for this man, this podcast probably would not exist. He first introduced me to football writing, which is how I started writing for World Football Index. And that led to Calcio Twitter. And before you know it, I have my own podcast. So I'm talking about Jerry Mancini. Jerry, welcome to Forza Napoli. Yes, very happy to be on. And I'm not a Forza Napoli, I'm a Forza Lazio, but... In respect to Chiro, in respect to Chiro Immobile, I if I had to choose a second team, it would be Napoli. In respect to Chiro Immobile, awesome. So that's a good point. You're a huge Lazio supporter, and there are a few connections at the moment between Lazio and Napoli. But before I get to that, I do want to get your thoughts on Lazio and the restart of Serie A, which is something we've been tracking pretty closely on Forza Napoli. So let me start with this. All year, we've talked about how Lazio has benefited from not being in Champions League or Europa League or Coppa Italia, which meant that they could focus strictly on Serie A. And that was important because as good as Lazio's starting 11 is, the team lacks depth. So now that we've taken this long break, how concerned are you about Lazio's lack of depth? It's... It's always going to be a concern. It was a concern before the pandemic happened and still probably will be for Simone Inzaghi. The thing is with Inzaghi, he he has his preferred 11 men on the field. I feel that he may manage their their time in the game 
clock management based on how much Savage plays game in and game out, how much uh, Luis Alberto plays, and the rest of them, even Cheeto. So we're going to start to see players that normally we wouldn't expect to be in the lineup, maybe a, a Bobby Adikane or more of uh, Cataldi, Andre Anderson. These are players that we didn't see in the season now that they'll have to be more relied upon on. Even Marco Parolo, even though he's aged, this is now the time that we really need even veterans to step up. Now, you do have that. Juventus does have a deeper squad. And I get that the five substitutions can help. But in, in regards, in health, yes, I think that you can you can preserve players from getting injured, reduce their playing time. In, in terms of a, a team like Juventus that is struggling in the midfield, I don't think that five substitutions can really change a game for them when they don't have that that individual player that they're they're missing that can really put that spark in the midfield, that creativity that they have been missing all year. So in that terms, I don't think that's going to give them an advantage. But in terms of like basically reducing their playing time and helping to prevent injury, that does really help them in that aspect. But with Lazio, I think that Simone Zaghi has shown that he will rise to the occasion and he'll figure out what is best based on his opponent, competition, and all that that, that comes his way. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Juventus and, and their midfield. I, I know you had Daniel Lucci on, on your podcast, Cultural Connection, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And Daniel did a great job covering Juventus there. And one of the things he said with respect to squad depth was that as much as Juventus is deep, they're not that deep in the midfield position. And when you start getting into their second and third backups in the midfield, they struggle there too. So that's a really good point that, that you and Daniel both make. Speaking of Juventus, they're still alive in the Coppa Italia. And we saw the schedule was released earlier this week. And they will play at least one Coppa Italia match, possibly two if they make it to the final. So I'm curious to know from you as a Lazio fan, whether you think that's better for Lazio or worse. Well, for starters, it it gives Juventus a benefit here. It gives them some playing time. It gets the team gelling back together, getting their feet wet. They're getting into form. On the downside, they are playing more than Lazio are already to start and could probably lead to injuries. Who knows how they come back and, and much quicker compared to Lazio because you got uh, Simone Inzaghi's men are training much longer, so they have more time to get back into game form. And I was reading that players need at least up to a month, at least, to find their rhythm, to get uh, their form back, to to get that physicality that they need to, to be playing with with Juventus coming back so quickly and having to play maybe two matches could really hurt them, could lead to injuries, like I said earlier. And I also heard that, do they have a week off after their sec- if they go to the finals or do they go straight into the season right away for Juventus? Because that's another thing that I'm not really familiar. But they if they have, have uh, about a week off because... June 20th, which is the official start restart date of Serie A, not Coppa Italia, but the actual season, is going to start with the four matches from match day 25 that were not played yet. Mm-hmm. So after the Coppa Italia final, the the two finalists will get a week off before resuming Serie A. So that that and they also get a week off to 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 just rest, which will help them. So I feel like Juventus has a slight advantage over Lazio in this regard. On the counterpart, like I said earlier, they have time to train. Players can get back into form, which is really important for them. And another thing is Maurizio Sarri can start playing playing around with his roster to see what looks good, what doesn't look good, who's back. He can play around with the lineup to see going for, going forward. As for Lazio, he... Inzaghi doesn't have that uh, advantage where he can see, okay, you got a Malinkovic-Savage who's not ready yet, or you got a Luis Alberto who's not ready yet. So there, there's goods and bads. I, at the end of the day, 
I feel that Juventus is going to be a little bit more on the slide of injury prone because they have to play more. And aside from having a week off, that doesn't prevent injuries because they have they have two games that that are so early and they don't have enough training time, which can really be downfall for them. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think this is going to be something that we'll probably have to judge after the fact. And if Juventus can come out of those Coppa Italia matches unharmed, then they're probably going to have a distinct advantage over Lazio in that they had those two extra games to prepare and regain their form. I think we've seen a bit of that. You watch the Bundesliga a lot more than I do, but you probably saw some rust in the first matches, and then now teams are, are pretty much back on form. So that's that's going to be something that's pretty interesting to to follow. One thing that I admire about you as a Lazio supporter is that from day one on your podcast, on other podcasts, you have maintained that you think Lazio is going to win the Scudetto. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, in match day 30 when the goal was really just to make Champions League, but right from the beginning of the season. So I'm curious to know now with everything that's happened, are you still as confident of Lazio winning the Scudetto, knowing that there's still a match to be played between the two clubs? I'm still confident. And by the time Juventus has to play Lazio, I, I would figure that Lazio will be back into game shape. They'll be into form. So will Juventus. But here's the difference. The midfield, like we said earlier. And with Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, Luis Alberto, they just outmatch Juventus. And both times in Jan- in December, that was the difference maker for, for Lazio. They just... They're so good on the counterattack. They can they can go in stride when they have possession. They 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 break out really well. So, and then in credit, even Simone Inzaghi has this team really believing. And even during the whole pandemic, and and they weren't playing. You had Luis Alberto who keeps on talking about how much he is so confident in wanting to win the, the Scudetto. You got Chiro Immobile who has spoken about it. You have so many players on this team that are believing that there is this opportunity once in a lifetime that may not be there again. And while weeks ago, they, sorry, weeks before they got so so further into the season, this team never talked about a Scudetto. They talked about just getting into Champions League, something that they haven't experienced as a club together. So many players being together since the arrival of Simon Inzaghi as the manager. So the con- continuity of this of this club is what I, I feel is the nucleus of what makes it so strong and much better than a lot of other clubs. You, you see teams always buying players year in, year out, spending 30 million, spending 40 million. Talks about bringing a, a guy like Koulibaly for 80 million and, buying whoever else it may be for X amount of money, but that's not always the answer to making your team better because just because you buy a player such as that, who is regarded as one of the best as a center back, but maybe it doesn't fit well at Liverpool. If he was to go there, maybe he makes them worse. Having players such as Luis Alberto, Savage, Immobile playing together, they have built a chemistry and Immobile has said that, Luis Alberto knows him better than his own wife. So what does that tell you? Like those, when you hear stuff like that, these players have created a bond that when they go on the field, they know where their, their actions, the, the, just the way they, they play, they know where they're going to be their next step. And so for me, I feel that's really important in any team that they have that, that, that relationship that they know each other. And so many times this year, Another thing has been that a lot of players have stepped up. So I remember two years ago, Caicedo was like, he was hated by so many fans because he couldn't produce at a level that people had expected when he came in. Last year, he scored eight goals. This year, he scored eight goals. And that's, again, Simone Inzaghi gained the best of his players that cost, what, a million dollars? million euros, probably? Like, how do you get eight goals out of, out of a player that costs that little and, and other players as well? So this is a manager that, at the end of the day who knows how to get the best out of his out of his team. And while they do, I believe, have 
they have like seven games against top 10 clubs. And I, I'm not really scared about that. If anything, they'll get Lazio even more hyped up because they're not going to be, they're going to be playing against their own level and even better. Not thinking, okay, we're playing a team like Spall. We can, we can lay back. So I, I'm still confident. I'm a nine out of 10 that Lazio, actually a 10 out of 10 that Lazio is going to win the Scudetto. I, I'm just not convinced with that midfield from Juventus. I'm not convinced with Maurizio Sarri. Maurizio Sarri's Sarri ball takes time, and they just haven't looked complete as they did in recent seasons under, under Allegri, where the team looked really fundamental. They they had a game plan, and any time they had lost a game, Allegri was able to get the best out of them next game, and they, they looked even better, not worse. So, Yeah, you know, it's the strength of schedule is an interesting at this point, I think it's all up for grabs. I don't even think it comes down to just the match between Juventus and Lazio. I think points are going to be dropped just because of how many matches are being played in such a short period of time. These guys, as as fit as they are, there there are going to be days where people are sore, where people are picking up knocks, where clubs are re- relying more heavily on their benches. I, I definitely think that there are going to be opportunities to gain points on the opposition, even if Lazio loses to Juventus. And, you know, as much as I would hate to, for you to be able to rub it in my face that Lazio won a Scudetto, I think I would hate it even more if Juventus won another one. So I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Lazio with you on, on that one. Now, I want to move along to some of the questions related to Napoli. So I want to start with this one, which is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about playing uh, playoff to determine the champion, which is plan B, if the Serie A campaign cannot be completed. In other words, if there's a second wave of COVID-19, that could be an option of finishing the season. And then a third option would be to just use the standings and, and some version of uh, calculating uh, you know, points per game average or something along those lines if, if they can't even play a playoff. And one of the options for the playoff is to use the top six clubs. So that would include Napoli. And I'm curious to know your thoughts. I think I know what you're going to say anyways, but I'm curious to know your thoughts about Napoli potentially having a chance to win the Scudetto, despite how far back they are in the table. I personally don't like the idea because they're so exactly what you just said. They're so far back in the table. But I, I will say one thing. As much as I don't like the idea, I'm happy that they're considering an idea to, to, to just figure out a way to complete the season. A lot of people are going to be, oh, well, they're nowhere near where Juventus and Lazio are, and even maybe Inter, they'll say. It, yes, it, it, it is a crappy scenario to be in. You're happy if you're a Napoli fan. You're disappointed if you're a Lazio fan. But at the same time, it's not guaranteed that Lazio was going to win the Scudetto. It's not guaranteed that Juventus is going to win the Scudetto. And it's not guaranteed that even Inter can win the Scudetto. Like you said, injuries can pile up. There's going to be a lot of points that are, are going to be up for grabs now. So, And even before the, the season went on a hold, we don't know what, what could have turned out to be in this. For all we know, Lazio could have just dropped down the table and may have lost their first game against Atalanta and lost your form, and all of a sudden you have Inter coming back up, you have Atalanta coming back up, you may even have Napoli because they are starting to show really good form. So there, there's there's so many possibilities and angles we can say that maybe this is a good poss- a good scenario for Lazio because maybe with with the depth that they have in their squad, hey, maybe they're not, they're not strong enough to go till the end to win it. So at the end of the day, though, like I said, you have an option. I'm happy because so much in the last two, three months, we've been given the, we don't know if the season's going to progress. We don't know if a season's going to start. Now we have kind of some clear guidelines that the season is starting. And given that if it, if it is to stop again, at least there's a plan B in motion. And I'm happy. I'm more happier to know that there's going to be an end to the season then knowing that, oh, well, does Napoli deserve to be there? Does Roma deserve to be there? It's the shin end of the stick, but in the situation that we are we are in right now, 
you have to deal with what you're given. It's unfortunate, and these are the circumstances. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, as torturous as it was to listen to all these meetings after meetings and and Spadafora changing his mind and starting and not starting, you know, it is good to see that once they finally came to an agreement, there's a backup plan and a backup to the backup plan uh, to end the season. One thing that I think Napoli and Lazio have in common is they have very similar owners. Uh, both Lotito and De Laurentiis are stubborn and persistent, and they've both done really well financially for their respective clubs. And they both seem to be becoming more influential in Serie A. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on Claudio Lotito and what he's done for Lazio. Well, I'm going to give an equation of how I sum up Lotito. I'm going to equal it to De Laurentiis. Big mouth, but tight pockets. And <laughs> that sounds about that, right. That's why I look at both of them. And, and in respect, you know what? These are people who, these are two owners that just know how to buy players and at very good values. And Petito bought the club and they were, I, I, I want to say around 200 million debt. I, I wrote an article earlier this year. I believe I would have to look, look it up, but it was around like 180 million debt. And, they only had like equity of like 80 million, like in profit or something like that. But like at the end of the day, he took a club that was bankrupt or going through near bankrupt and he took him. And now from a deficit, he's made them into a, a club that is profitable, making money. They're, they're, they're stable. Even and in a crisis right now that we are in, the club is still in a good position compared to Roma. Look, look at Roma, how they're like, 300 million debt or something like that and and it's ludicrous because i i looked at the squad teams that they've had the last couple of years and they've had some really good players like salah for example and, and they've let so many good players go not making any money any money for them when you have a guy like anderson i, I believe uh felipe anderson where we made 40 million on him and what's he doing in West Ham right now? He he has not produced nearly the same level as he did with Lazio. And in credit to Latito doing good business, he has hired a good sporting director in Iglitare, who has made some of the best signings for this club. He has brought in Chiro Immobile for less than $10 million. He brought in Milinkovic Savic for $18 million. He brought in uh, Luis Alberto, I believe, for $6 million. And these players are, are worth 30, 40 million. So right now they can bank in on three players and buy maybe a whole new roster of players. It, it's incredible what the ownership has done with management. And for, for Letito to, 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 to keep Inzaghi last year, and personally, you never see Letito own up to his mistakes. And, and I believe that he did own up that, he should never have called out his manager last year about Nzagi, and he considered about firing him. And now that he, he extended his contract last year, and then now he's talking about two more years and a pay increase, I believe two and a half million a year. And maybe some some a guy like Lotito sometimes can can be very stubborn, but he he sees that why am I going to spend X amount of money so much on another manager? I got this guy Simone Nzagi. He's been a player for the club. He's been a manager since the Primavera. Starting the Primavera, went to the actual top flight, and, and he has done everything right. So one thing I do like about Latito is he does value some – like he, he values people who, who work hard and have dedicated so much to the club, such as Inzaghi has. And even he, he's recognizing Chiro Immobile with a contract extension – Luis Alberto, Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, and now even uh, Acherby. And another great signing last year. We brought him from Sassuolo. This is a guy that has had a lot of difficulty, troubles in his life, and has battled so much. And now he's playing on, on Lazio, and he's regarded as maybe a starter for, for Italy in, in the Euros next summer, which... Tell me, you, who would have thought that Acherby would have been a starting centre-back for the Euro Cup, for Italy for Euro Cup next summer. I would never have thought that before the start of the season. Has replaced Stefan de Vrij very well. 
and and you got Joaquin Correa that that is valued at 70 million by teams. Just there's so many players that they have been able to buy at a good cost and not put their team in a financial situation. And that's the most important thing is that you don't want to overspend more than what you really have. And that was the problem with Cragnotti. He used to spend, 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 and, and credit to him, he won a Scudetto. But the biggest problem was with Sergio Cragnotti was that he was going into an area where he was spending money that he didn't have, which put the club into a, a financial situation, and then he had to file for bankruptcy. So Latito has done a great job since he's taken over. <laughs> And I know that some people don't like his comments. Now there's, I don't know, speculation that he, maybe he's the next Moji. I don't buy that. I don't think, for what Lazio has won, I don't think he's nearly near as what Moji is. But uh, Yeah, I, I think the, the comments about Moji are probably more to do with the influence he has on the decision-making in the league. And, you know, a lot of people have given him credit for, uh, supporting uh, Gravina as well as De Laurentiis actually for getting Serie A up and running again. And, and you know I've mentioned this to you before as well that when you boil it down, the owners' jobs are to help the club win and to help the club make money. Now I know Napoli and Lazio probably haven't won as much as both of us would have liked, but they're certainly doing well financially. They're they're competing. And and I'm glad you mentioned Ilitare because that's sort of another thing that the clubs have in common, which is that they both have very good sporting directors. And you mentioned some of the players at Lazio have sold that whether or not they've worked out at other clubs, you know, they've they've bought low and sold high. And and Napoli has kind of done the same thing. You know, we look at this summer is going to be a big one for Napoli and the potential, even though there's been this whole COVID crisis and, you know, they're hearing about potentially 30% decline in player values. Napoli still stand to generate about 200 million euros in income on the sales of Koulibaly and Milik, Alan, Gulam. And so again, both of these clubs have done really well financially. And, you know, you do have to give the presidents credit for that, even if it's just for hiring the right person as their sporting director. The last question I want to ask you, and I think I've saved the best for last because this one's going to be probably difficult for you, is with respect to Chiro Immobile. And, you know, earlier this year, there was, seemed to be at least a realistic chance that he could leave Lazio to join his hometown club of Napoli. At this point, I think it's pretty clear he's going to renew with Lazio. So this one's a bit more of a hypothetical question, but I'm curious to know. If Immobile decided at the very last minute to make a move to Napoli, would that change how you feel about the player and would it change how you feel about Lazio? So it would not change the way I feel about Immobile. And I watched this the documentary of Juventus on Netflix and I saw how Higuain left Napoli and no fans didn't like it. And I, I respected his decision. That he left Napoli. He said that Napoli is always going to be in his heart. He, he loves the team. And he left Juventus to win. And he had a goal in his, in his mind that I want to win and I'm going to get paid. And I respect that because at the end of the day, they're just like us uh, who go to work and need to make income to provide for their family for the long term. Because he's only going to play until what, 36, 37. When he retires, he needs to make sure that he's financially set. What I didn't like was when he celebrated when he scored the winning goal against Juventus. And if if Chiro Immobile was to do that in a game, if he was playing hypothetically for for Napoli versus Lazio at the Stadio Olimpico and he scores the winning goal and he goes celebrate against Lazio like that, I would then lose all my respect for Chiro Immobile. That's where the moment I cut you off. I've seen a lot of players this year where – so in the first game this year, Joaquin Correa scored against Sampdoria. Did not celebrate. He put his hands up. I'm not going to celebrate. He showed his respect, and that's what Higuain should have done in that specific moment. You played so many years with Napoli. You succeeded so much, and then you 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 spit on them basically. And if I were to see that with with Immobile, I would lose all respect. But you know what? These players have the decision to make. 
it's his hometown. And if he wants to be closer to where his roots are, I'll have no issue with that. At the end of the day, they need to make the hardest decisions, just like we do at work. And we have to leave our job for a new company, say. Or if an opportunity arises and you've been with, with a company for 20 years or 5 or 10 years and you've dedicated so much, but something much greater comes along, a higher income, maybe an opportunity to win with Napoli, you, they, they, they are st- stuck in a situation which we don't put ourselves in their shoes and have to understand that they're human just like us. And we can't rebel against them for making these kind of decisions. He has given his heart the last four years for the club. And that's what I will remember him as. I won't remember him as a player that betrayed Lazio. He didn't betray Lazio. He he has no ties with anybody. Just like Lotito can sell him at any time as well. And it could be vice versa. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, Lotito's the bad guy. But he sold our best player. And it's, it's a business. You Either you try to make on the player some money or you keep him keeping your team competitive for the long term. But there's there's so many ways to look at it, but it wouldn't change the way I felt about the club. I'd still love Lazio because so many good players have left in in the past decades and they come and go. But um, I would still have the most respect for Immobile. But the minute he does celebrate against Lazio, to me, everything that he's poured into the club, it's kind of diminished. Because all of a sudden it's like you 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 played so hard, but all of a sudden you're you're mocking us. You're, you're just a slap in the face. So yeah, I agree. I think, uh, although I I think a more accurate comparison would be not so much Iguain, and I'm not going to comment on Iguain because I could do a whole podcast on that topic. But I think maybe if let's say Mertens joined Inter this mm-hmm. uh, summer. It'd be a similar situation for Napoli fans where I think knowing Mertens, he probably would not celebrate and he would always be considered a legend for this club. Uh, although Twitter lit up when when the rumors were going around that Inter had agreed to terms with him on a new contract and uh, people turned their backs on him pretty quickly before they pulled a 180 after they found out that he was going to renew. Um, but I agree that when players come back and especially when they score goals, you definitely have to respect them for not celebrating. We saw this year uh, Fabio Quagliarella scored against Napoli and didn't celebrate. And he hasn't played for the club in almost 10 years, and he's still not celebrating. And I love him for that. Um, mind you, he's he's also a hometown boy. So that's going to do it. I, I really appreciate you coming on the pod, Jerry. Before I let you go, tell our listeners where they can Well, you can find me at jmancini 8 and uh, I'm currently writing with World Football Index. I, uh, I'll probably have a few German pieces out for this weekend in regards to the, the league matches. I've been covering the Bundesliga for a few weeks now just to get myself just can, having a, an understanding of, of uh, the German league, who I should look out for, and just having that rhythm of still writing and uh, just – we plan on having another podcast, me and Alex, with uh, the Cultural Connection tomorrow. We haven't confirmed our guest, but um, that's in the works as well. Other than that, looking forward to Serie A in, in, a, in a week's time, a week or two's time, and can start writing up on uh, Serie A once again. Awesome. Yeah, and you're doing a phenomenal job covering the Bundesliga, especially for someone who's not followed it that closely uh, prior to this year. I know I've been enjoying your articles and hopefully we can chat again soon before the end of the season because Lazio plays against Napoli in the very last match of the season I believe and I'm a little bit torn on this on the one hand I'm hoping that it's a meaningful game for Lazio and that we can try to spoil your fun but then on the other hand I'm kind of hoping that the Scudetto has already been determined and that Lazio will just roll over for Napoli if they're competing for uh, a Europa League or maybe even a Champions League spot. So I'm not really sure how I feel about that match yet. It could it could be like your story time when uh, they played uh, Genoa back in uh, 06. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> in the one. Right? B. <laughs> it, it, could, it could turn on that scenario, and and everyone runs onto the pitch with uh, two minutes left, and we see Immobile with his undies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although I don't know if there will be anyone. <laughs> Not to the pitch, except for maybe a couple people in the oh, media. Oh, yeah, good point. 
<laughs> I'm so used to anyway, having friends. Thank you so much that. for coming on the pod. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. So that's going to do it for episode 15. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or if you'd like me to focus on anything in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti 5 or you can find the pod at Pod. You can also find my work at worldfootballindex.com. Until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.